Hey everybody, Nick Espinosa, your Chief Security Fanatic here, and today it's Sunday, and there ain't no party like a data breach party, because a data breach party don't stop, ever. That's right, it's Breaches of the Week. My God, another crazy, crazy week. So much so that I am actually doing one of these breaches in full tomorrow as its own separate breach. Last pass, I'm talking about you, so stick around for that one. But before we go on, I want to thank the following people that sent me a lot of this information. We're talking Chris Fallon, Robert Cotterman, Aaron Lax, Jay Dance, Barrett Peterson, and Jacqueline Wolf. Thank you very much. And if you have a tip for me, please send it my way, and I'll give you a shout-out here and also on my nationally syndicated radio show as well. And with that, let's dive right in and head on down to Arkansas or Arkansas for the Little Rock School District because they just created a web page about a data security incident that they had detected on November 11th. Now they're not calling it ransomware and they make no mention of any ransom demand. The only thing they seem to be confident of is at this point at least some of their data was exfiltrated but they haven't said anything yet. I'll keep you informed of that. Obviously, Little Rock School District being one of the larger ones here in the United States. Moving on, let's head up to the Great White North to Manitoba and talk about Manitoba Health because they say a privacy breach happened earlier this week following a break-in at one of their facilities that compromised people's personal health information. Now, the province said that it believes the personal health information or PHI and other private information of some of their patients or clients were breached, adding in that a very small number of instances the information could also include include social insurance numbers. So heads up to you Canadians that use Manitoba Health in your province. Moving on, let's talk about the city of Edmonton, also in Canada as well. The staff of the city were notified this past Wednesday that employee information was the subject of a data breach last year. Now, according to a written statement by Daryl Croft, he's a branch manager of Open City and Technology, or OCT, his branch discovered that employee uh, that records had been accessed by a former employee without authorization in May of last year. So if you work for the city of Edmonton, you basically may have been exposed due to a former employee illegally accessing your info. You might want to check in. Moving on, let's talk about furniture giant Ikea out of uh, Sweden, although we are not talking about Sweden this time, we're going around the world. They've confirmed that its franchises in both Kuwait and Morocco are dealing with a cyber attack that caused disturbance on their systems. Now, a spokesperson talking to the record said that the attack, quote, being investigated is being investigated together with our relevant authorities as well as our cybersecurity partners. And for the record, IKEA Kuwait and IKEA Morocco are independently operated by a franchisee owner based in Kuwait, not owned by Sweden directly. Meaning if you want to franchise IKEA, apparently you can. I had no idea. Heads up to you though, if you shop at IKEA in Kuwait or Morocco. And actually I do have listeners in both of those as I check the national international stats on my shows periodically. Moving on, let's head to South America and talk about Colombia, specifically the Colombian healthcare provider Coralti. They reported a ransomware attack last week Sunday, which affected its systems as well as two of its subsidiaries, EPS Sanitas and Colisanas, or I'm sorry, Colsanitas as well. So the attack had basically been reported on Colombian news outlet El Tiempo and would have disrupted the company's IT operations, websites, and scheduling of medical appointments. Caralti said on Monday that they were suffering technical issues but did not disclose the cause. On Tuesday, the company released an additional statement confirming the cyber attack. The ransomware house, or excuse me, ransom house ransomware gang has claimed basically credit for stealing three terabytes of data. So if you use Coralti or Sanitas or Colsanitas in Colombia, heads up to you. You might want to check in. Moving on. 
Let's talk about Connexin Software. This is a provider of pediatric-specific health IT solutions and operates under the name of Office Practicum. They notified more than 2.2 million individuals of a healthcare data breach that occurred in August of this year. Nearly 120-atric pediatric physician practices and practice groups were impacted by this particular data breach. And we are talking about demographic information, social security numbers, treatment information, billing and claims information, and health insurance information as well, along with personal information of pediatric patients, parents, guardians, and guarantors may have also been impacted as well. Never fun when your kids get breached. They are very, very hot for sale, typically in the dark web, because kids have clean credit ratings. So you can get credit monitoring for your kids. If they're 14 or older, they can get it themselves. Go get that done. Moving on, let's talk about Electricité de France, or, and I, I apologize for butchering French if that is not correct, or EDF, Electricity of France, I believe is what they're saying. The French data protection watchdog on Tuesday fined EDF 600,000 euros for violating the GDPR or the general data protection regulation requirements. Now, the Commission Nationale de la Informatique et des Libertés, or CNIL, which is what I should call them, because again, I'm butchering French and I apologize for that, said the electric utility breached European regulation by storing passwords for almost or over 25,800 accounts by hashing them using MD5 as recently as July of this year year. If you don't know anything about algorithm hashing, MD5 is notoriously weak at this point. Nobody should be hashing any kind of passwords or encrypting passwords using MD5 in any part of its methodology. Furthermore, the authority also noted that the passwords associated with 2,414,254 customer accounts had only been hashed and not salted, exposing the account holders to potential cyber attacks. That's right. Even if you're using really good hashes, like SHA-2, for example, you've got to salt them. It scrambles them even harder. It makes them very harder. When we are grabbing usernames and passwords from the dark web and we are seeing hashes that are MD5, SHA-1, SHA-2, etc., those are very easy to crack. But once they're salted, it's much more difficult. So make sure you're salting those hashes and never using MD5 again. Moving on, let's talk about ENC security. And this is actually a real interesting one. So heads up, if you've bought like a USB drive or a hard drive or a portable anything uh, that is storage from Sony, SanDisk, or Lexar, not to mention others, because when you buy Sony, Lexar, and SanDisk USB key or other storage devices, it actually comes with an encryption solution integrated to keep your data safe. The software is developed by a third-party vendor known as ENC. NC security, and you see where I'm going with this here. Now, they're based out of the Netherlands, and they have 12 million users uh, worldwide, and they provide what they call quote-unquote military-grade data protection solutions with basically its Data Vault encryption software. So if you have any platform that is using Data Vault, heads up, because as it turns out, ENC had been leaking its configurations and its certificate files for more than a year on a publicly exposed server, meaning... I could go to that publicly exposed server, I could grab certificates, aka encryption keys, and try them out on your device, and then unlock it. So obviously that's a huge thing. Hopefully ENC will lock that down, issue new certificates, issue an update for Data Vault, and on and on and on. But if you're using Data Vault, look out for that update. It should be coming hopefully very soon to re-secure you, because right now... You're not. Moving on, let's talk about Southampton County or Southampton County in the state of Virginia. Last week, they started uh, informing individuals that their personal information may have been compromised in a ransomware attack. 
Now, this was identified in September when a threat actor accessed a server in Southampton and encrypted the data that was stored on there, aka ransomware. And we are talking about personal information such as names, addresses, driver's license numbers, social security numbers. All of those kinds of things may have been compromised. And this is according to a notification letter they sent to impacted individuals, a copy of which was submitted to the Montana Attorney General on like the other side of the country. So apparently some Montanans maybe got pulled over in Southampton County in Virginia and they had to declare to Montana as well. We know this now. So heads up to you, uh, residents of Southampton, or if you have any interactions with Southampton, Virginia, you might want to check in. Moving on. Let's talk about the Durham School Board District, or excuse me, Durham District School Board. Apparently, I'm partially dyslexic today, or the DDSB. Now, they are currently recovering from what they call a cyber incident that left schools without access to phones or email services, as well as emergency contact information. In a letter to parents and guardians, last week, Sunday, the school board said the incident first came to their attention on Friday, and that they immediately took steps to shut it down, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the school board is asking parents and guardians to send temporary emergency contact information with their children to school. The schools will also be taking manual attendance on um, on that Monday, meaning five days ago or six days ago, and parents and guardians will not be contacted if their child is absent, according to this letter. So, hey, if you're a kid in that school district, you could have ditched school. Nobody would have told your parents. I'm just saying, not that I'm recommending it. I'm just saying. Moving on. Let's talk about Google Chrome. Yes, the largest web browser on the planet because Google recently fixed a zero-day vulnerability in Chrome, and this is the eighth time this year. And my initial thought was, yeah, it must have been a slow year for Chrome because they're always finding vulnerabilities. This obviously is a huge problem if it's a zero-day. Now, in this case, it was a buffer overflow issue. Now, if you don't know what that is, buffer overflows are basically, in general, give access to memory regions that software shouldn't normally have, potentially opening the door to take control of your computer. In other words, it's pretty damn bad. And this one basically is a zero day. And so Google notes, there's already a malicious exploit for this specific vulnerability around there in the wild. So update, update, update your Google Chrome, not to mention everything in your life. This is why we patch. If you're not, you're just keeping yourself exposed. And that's never a good thing. Moving on, let's talk about Android phone makers, specifically uh, Samsung, but others as well, not just Samsung. And so here's what's going on with this. While Google developer Uh, or I should say, while Google develops its open source Android uh, mobile operating system, the original equipment manufacturers are OEMs who make Android smartphones like Samsung, Huawei, et cetera, et cetera, uh, or HTC, play a large role in tailoring and securing the OS for their devices. But a new finding that Google made public this past Thursday revealed that a number of digital certificates used by these vendors to validate their system applications were recently compromised and have already been abused, essentially, that that are allowing uh, basically malicious apps to be approved uh, into, let's say, third-party app stores or maybe even Google Play. So heads up to you if you've got uh, an Android of any ilk, whether it's Google, Samsung, take your pick, make sure that you are updating these things as these updates come out. I know the Samsungs of the world have been very good, just like Apple has been on getting on these things and updating them as fast as they can. They're always they're not always 100%, and Apple's actually kind of a little shaky sometimes depending on the situation, but make sure, and I'm underscoring, this is why we update these things. Hopefully, they'll, we will reissue those certificates and lock you back down. Moving on, let's talk about EUFY. That's E-U-F-Y. It's a camera system. We're going to be talking specifically about their local storage cameras because security researchers found that EUFY supposedly cloud-free 
ad-free cameras were uploading thumbnails with facial data to cloud servers. Now, according to The Verge, who was working with a security researcher known as Wasabi, uh, basically the, he's the one or she's the one who first tweeted the problem. They confirmed that they could access Eufy camera systems encryption-free through a Eufy server URL. Now, this makes basically Eufy's privacy promises um, that footage, quote, never leaves the safety of your home and is end-to-end encrypted and is only sent straight to your phone, highly misleading, if not outright dubious. It also contradicts what Ufi and Anchor, which is part of Ufi, A-N-K-R, that's another company, they make batteries and stuff. One of their senior PR managers uh, talking to The Verge said that, quote, it is not possible, end quote, to watch footage using a third-party tool like VLC, meaning if you're grabbing that information, you can't just ingest it into a video player like VLC. Now, Ufi issued a statement in response to the findings from The Verge and a security researcher, and I quote, Ufi Security adamantly disagrees with the accusations levied against this, the company concerning the security of our products, end quote. Now, they go on in their statement, to, for the record, to say a lot more. They also encourage you, if you have an Ufi camera, to contact them to discuss this. But fundamentally, uh, they say, basically, hey, if a major flaw is discovered, obviously, we're going to address that. Obviously, we're going to do these things. But right now, they disagree with the results of this researcher. I'm pointing that out for legal purposes because I don't want Ufi to sue me in any which way, shape, or form. So there you go. Ufi wants you to contact them if you use their product. So we're going to see who's right here. And in the end, I guess we're going to see either way. And finally, and we've got a couple different finalies for you today. This is absolutely nuts. The first one, I think, is, is just fascinating. A new legal ruling coming out of India that is raising eyebrows in the privacy community. Now, here's what's going on. Um, basically, complying with an August 30th ruling that held uh, that courts in India can direct a messaging app to disclose the information of infringers, Telegram, the secure messaging platform, has disclosed the admin names, phone numbers, and IP addresses of the channels which are accused of unauthorized sharing of study material prepared by Campus Private Limited and its teacher, Nitsu Singh, for various competitive exams, meaning students apparently were going to Telegram and securely uh, sharing this information. Oh, I have a copy of, you know, the test, you know, answer number one is A, whatever it is. Obviously, they are now considering that in India infringed material. Now, um, a Justice uh, Prabitha M. Singh in the order dated November 24th said that the names of admins, the, the phone numbers and IP addresses of some of these channels are available with Telegram because they have been supplied. On August 30th, the court had rejected Telegram's argument that it cannot share the data relating to the creators or users of these channels as the said data is stored in its data servers in Singapore, not in India, in Singapore, and the law there prohibits that disclosure. The Indian government apparently, or at least this justice in the Indian government, has disagreed, and now Telegram has complied with the Indian government. India being the second most popular uh, nation in the world, obviously a large base for technology, not to mention the use of Telegram. But it opens up, obviously, uh, you know, privacy issues as well. Uh, most uh, you know, open democracies and republics have privacy protections for their citizens. Even if they're doing something illegal, we don't usually uh, cater to the lowest common denominator meaning if 99% of us, while we're using private messaging, are, are not doing illegal or criminal things, we're just using it for our own privacy's sake, you're not going to remove the law to catch the 1%. India apparently has taken another tack. Now, this is not the first time we've seen these kinds of things in India as well. The Modi government, Narendra Modi, um, you know, has been working on 
getting the government of India uh, more access into these kinds of privacy uh, channels, if you will. So we're going to see where this goes. I know a lot of people, and I've had this debate, um, you know, with people. My fourth TED Talk actually was was out of Mumbai, India, uh, you know, talking about Afghanistan. And I remember talking with uh, some of the participants, uh, you know, in that and, and the people that were setting that up about, uh, you know, the privacy issues and, and, and the shifting of the government more towards authoritarianism in India. Uh, and so obviously we're going to see where this goes. But Right now, as it stands, uh, your privacy has been weakened if you are in India and, and you are watching or listening to this. And I think that's a huge concern because, you know, quite frankly, uh, you know, uh, we'd never want to see privacy go away anywhere. And, you know, the U.S. has such a great relationship with India as well, as does the rest of the world. And so hopefully uh, this will right the ship. So I don't care if you love or hate Modi. This is obviously something that's against privacy. And I think we can all agree about that. Never a good thing. And finally, finally, and this is just another crazy one we have to talk about Sirius XM the satellite radio service and oh boy now full disclosure um, you know I write for smirconish.com Michael Smirconish of Sirius XM on on the POTUS channel in uh, on Sirius XM is one of the core reasons why I have Sirius XM and uh, I'm pretty sure my car manufacturer might be on this list as well I'm gonna have to go checking but this is not a comprehensive list but this is not good and here's what's going on a newly revealed uh, research study shows that a number of major car brands including including Honda, Nissan, Infiniti, Acura, Hyundai, and more were affected by a previously undisclosed security bug that would have allowed uh, uh, basically an attacker to hijack your vehicle and steal your data. Now, according to the researchers, the bug basically was in the car's Sirius XM telematics infrastructure and would have allowed a hacker to remotely locate a vehicle unlock and start it, flash the lights, honk the horn, pop the trunk, and access sensitive customer information like the owner's name, phone number, address, vehicle details, and on and on and on. Now, after basically poking around in the code, Related to various car apps, researcher Sam Curry and his colleagues discovered an authentication loophole inside infrastructure provided by Sirius XM. Now, Sirius it was found in most cars' infotainment systems and provides related telematic services to most car manufacturers, meaning that integrated car area network, or CAN, that has at its core that head unit, which is the computer for the car, it's interacting with every aspect of the vehicle, but it's also giving you Sirius XM because you know you can punch in your transponder code, you can link your account, and then boom, your car's up and running. So every time I ditch a car, I go and I punch in my my new code into into my new car, and, and here it is. I've had Sirius XM for years, primarily because of Michael Smirconish, for the record, and uh, a little bit for music, and I don't listen to Howard Stern, so there you go. Now, the way Curry explains this, though, is that most cars have SiriusXM, quote, bundled with the vehicle's infotainment system, which has the capability to perform actions on the vehicle, like lock, unlock, etc., and communicates via satellite to the internet via SiriusXM's API. Now, this means, though, that data and commands are being sent to and from Sirius by individual vehicles, and that information can be hijacked under the right circumstances. So obviously, this is a huge flaw. And one of the biggest problems that we've had, and I've talked about this extensively uh, on on this show, also with Doug DeMiro, who has a very popular car channel. You can go watch that interview on my YouTube channel uh, and on my SoundCloud if you want the audio. I've talked about this extensively, but every single car I've ever owned, and for the record, I've not owned a Tesla, and I'll talk about that in a second, 
when I take it into the dealership and we're talking about everything from basic cars to luxury cars and I say, hey, is there an update for my radio? They always say no. I had one car for four years. I always ask, is there an update for the radio? And I counted 172 individual Bluetooth vulnerabilities from low to critical that had cropped up in that time period that my head unit in my luxury car had and I was able to hijack it and exploit it very easily using common Bluetooth hijacking techniques. This is a very serious problem that we've got here. And so I say Tesla because Tesla is the one that really started over the air updating of these systems on the fly. These things need to be patched. And there has been this assumption that once it rolls off the showroom floor, the dealer, the manufacturer, everybody washes their hands. That can no longer be. It can no longer be because we are so interconnected with the wireless infrastructure, satellites, Bluetooth, near-field communication, not to mention 802.11, your standard Wi-Fi. All these different things are being integrated. If we are not keeping these things up to date, like we are updating our windows, our phones, or whatever it is, this is a huge problem. We need to do this. Now, that list that I had is probably not you know completely extensive. I'm not seeing any of the Audis or Porsches or Volkswagens or Subarus or you know take your pick of the world, but if you've got Sirius XM integrated, odds are you've got something similar to this. And so that's a huge thing. We should all be basically complaining about this. So those were your breaches of the week. Like I said, tomorrow I'm doing a very special super breaches of the week for LastPass because my God, if you're using LastPass, you definitely want to watch this or listen to this tomorrow. But those were your breaches of the week. Were you affected? If you drive a car, you probably are. And please like, share, follow me here on Facebook and Twitter at Nick AESP. And please feel free to subscribe to me at YouTube as well. And as always, stay safe, stay online, and please attempt to stay private. Thanks, everybody.